It's time now for Spears on Sports with John Spears, presented by M&M Carnage. And now, here's Johnny. Pardon me while I wave to the crowd. Every time here's Johnny comes on, I, I wait for the applause. Good, we got an applause thing going there. Well, not you. I'll give you one. But that sounds like a studio audience yeah, of one. Yeah, woo, John, yeah. Hey, ho, <laughs> woo. Welcome in, Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio. Justin Kalen on the other side of the glass. Uh, Eminem Cartage hotline's open. It is Tuesday, May 9th, 384-1450, if you'd like to join in on the conversation. 502-384-1450. Thornton's text line is open as well. Get your text into the show at 414-1450. Don't forget, stop by Thornton's anytime, day or night, as long as they're open, and you can get an icy cold thirst quencher to keep your day or night going in the right direction. Right now, 32-ounce fountain drinks and smaller, only 89 cents. Yep, 89 cents. You can get that out underneath your floor mat. At least I can in the Volkswagen Bug that I'm driving right now. So uh, come in today. Grab a fountain drink from Thornton's. Hit me up on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. All right, Bob Huggins. Uh, you know what? Let's don't start the show with Bob Huggins. Good call. I said this when Billy Reed made some uh, less than savory comments back in the day. Once you reach the age of 70, there are no filters. There are no filters. You're an old, and I'm talking about men here. You're an old guy. You're going to say what you say. You're going to believe what you believe. And for the most part, not always, but for the most part, we should just shrug our shoulders and say he's an old guy. He's stuck in his era, which was seven decades ago, and let's just don't pay any attention to him. Bob Huggins is 69, so he doesn't qualify. I can't believe that West Virginia University has not fired Bob Huggins really 24 hours ago. He made... Um, anti-gay slur comment, not once, but twice on a Cincinnati radio show, former Cincinnati coach talking nonsense about Xavier University. Took shots at Catholics, too. Uh, Yeah. And, um, you know, you can't do it. You are a, a role model. You're a leader of young men. Great coach. One of the winningest coaches of all time. Gotta go. Am I wrong, Scoot? No, I agree. I mean, it's it's the exact what same. What is taking Mountaineer management so long here? It's the same time. It's the same thing as the Tom Brenneman thing. So, I mean, if he was let yeah. go, how long did it take between him getting let go? Uh, I don't. Did, they took him off the air that that they moment. did that night, but it, they didn't release anything. I don't think until the next day. Well, I guess you call him into the office and say, "Okay, give it your best shot at explaining yourself." And he can say something like, I was on this new medication. I don't even remember the interview. The doctor gave me this new medicine, and I was, I, you know, I called in because I, I had a note to call him, and I didn't even know I was on the radio. He gave him some of the what What'd you call it, nuclear cough medicine? Yes, nuclear cough. <laughs> I had some nuclear cough medicine. I didn't even know I was awake. <laughs> That's the only explanation, and it's still not good enough. He's got to go. All right. Uh, we'll talk about that. Giannis comments finally on the firing of Bucks head coach Mike Budenholzer. I haven't been able to talk about this, but I will in, a, in the second segment. The Bucks won the title two years ago. Mm-hmm. Two years ago. 
I mean, what do you got to do to keep your job? And was Giannis complicit in this whole thing? Because there's no way, if the Lakers want to fire Darvin Ham, they ask LeBron James, is it okay to fire Darvin Ham? And I have to think the same thing with the Bucs. You run everything by Giannis. Two-time MVP, he's in the loop here. That's just the way it has to be. You don't want him angry. You don't want him opting out, leaving when his contract is up. You don't want any of that because he's arguably the best player in the NBA right now. So you run it by him. Was he okay with it? His Instagram post today seems to signify that he was all behind his coach, loved him, couldn't couldn't have a better coach. So what happened? I mean, I know you had the – you were bounced in the first round by eight-seed Miami Heat, but again, you had the best record in the East. You won the title two years ago. <sighs> I'm still waiting for the first Major League Baseball manager to be fired. <laughs> you think it's that time already? I'm, I'm on the David Bell watch in Cincinnati. They had another opportunity yesterday. They just lost two out of three to the White Sox at home. The White Sox are not any good. They beat them 17-4 to on Sunday. Off day yesterday, it's the perfect time to get rid of David Bell, bring Barry Larkin out of the booth, and they didn't do it. Here's the deal, John. If if Barry Larkin is for sure the answer, 100%, he's going to take the job, Reds are going to hire him, I am on board with firing Bell right now. But if Barry Larkin's going to continue to play games like he has the last few off seasons or chances that the Reds have had to hire a coach, then I, I mean, you might as well hang on to Bell because you're going to go out and get another clown. Well, David Bell, they don't listen to him anymore. It's over for David Bell. Yeah. You've got to have a different voice in that clubhouse, even if it's not Barry Larkin. Uh, maybe a younger voice. Like, you know, the Yankees went and brought in Aaron Boone, who had never managed before. He had been a broadcaster and a player. Uh, the Red Sox, Alex Cora. Um, you know, I mean, that you, that a lot of these teams have gone younger. Rocco Bell, Dallet, Bell, blah, 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 Bell Deli in Tampa. I mean, they go younger. Ooh, spin zone for you. Yep. Joey Votto has not been playing since he rejoined the Reds. What if he's just doing like an interim managership? I'm good with that. Yeah. I'm Have good. him take over. Look, I'm good with Justin Kalen replacing David <laughs> Bell right now. Hey, I'd be a hell of a manager. Mets come to Cincinnati tonight <laughs> to start a series. The Reds stink. Brandon Fott going to pitch tonight. Trinity Boy and uh, Bellarmine University alum. He got, uh, well, he didn't pitch. I know this is going to sound crazy because his ERA after one game is 13.5. He didn't pitch poorly. He gave up four home runs. Um, But, you know, he'll get another chance tonight. Home debut in Arizona for Brandon Fott against the Miami Marlins. I checked. uh, The uh, Diamondbacks are are minus 115. So they're actually favored tonight. Jesus Lazardo, who's pretty good, will pitch for Miami. Uh, I am going to get to the NBA. I am going to get to Tiger Woods. Did the boys talk about Tiger Woods this morning? Uh, no, and I'm not even sure what you're Ooh, referring okay. to. So That's called a tease. Sweet. Let's go to the M&M Cartage Hotline. Bring in our early leader for Caller of the Year. David, how are you, bro? Yeah, thanks for taking the call, John. Yeah, about the Cincinnati Reds. I'm, I'm with you on that because, I mean, I, I, I really tuned something in kind of late Sunday, just kind of. Just you know, moving around the you know the television dial with some different things, and just uh, 
you know, kill a little bit of time Sunday afternoon and just sort of, you know, just laying back and all that. And it seemed like at the time, I, I didn't know the Reds game had started like late afternoon. Was there like a rain delay or something? Sunday. On that. Yeah, Sunday. I think it was Sunday game because I thought Reds played around, what, 4 o'clock Sunday or something like that? Uh, yes. Wasn't it? yes, it was a yeah, later, that's what I thought. A later start. No rain. Yeah, later, later start. start. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, at the time I tuned back in probably after some news and just checking some things out uh, through the television just to see what was on. I noticed that the post game was on, and it didn't sound disappointing. And, and I and I was not aware that the Reds had lost, you know, till till like later, till you brought that up yesterday. Or I didn't think they'd lost that bad. I thought they might have lost <laughs> by a run or two by the way they were talking. They didn't sound disappointed at all. They gave up eleven runs in the second inning. Oh my gosh! It was fourteen to one after two and a half inning. Is that right? I you oh. know I didn't know that. Ugly. Oh man! Ugly. And to, and to think. You know, and to think that they, you know, that the, the mood on that post game show, you know, you know, didn't seem more somber. You know, well, you that's know, the thing that got me because it gave me the impression is like, oh yeah, we lost, but we didn't, you know, not that bad. Not you know, bad. we're, yeah, we're, we're okay. We're going to you know, fix it now. You know, and I think, what's going on? You know, that you lost, you know, whatever, but you're not devastated that you lost big. They're they're not in last place in the National League Central. They're in fourth place. The Cardinals. Are twelve and twenty four. They're in last place. The Reds are fourteen and twenty, which is awful. Uh, oh yeah. But the Cardinals, Oliver Marmol is gonna, probably going to get fired before David Bell. St. Louis doesn't put oh. up with it. Can you imagine well, you the see, mood? The thing is, can you imagine the post game mood on the St. Louis television network if they? Oh lost to the my White God! Sox yeah, I know. Well, I, I think there's one thing about the Cards and Cubs. It's like, you know, Wilson Contreras as a Cardinal. Oh, man. And they're not, whoa, well, well, I mean, you know, them Cub fans, right? I'm a Cub fan. Oh, well. And I was booing the I was booing the television yesterday. Oh, were you? I, it, I, I didn't realize they played. T- I just heard about it he, the Sports Center overnight. I got up early and I heard okay. that. And I thought, oh, my gosh, Wilson Contreras. Okay. He's a yeah. World Series winner, 2016, with the Cubs. But you, yeah. when you go to the Cardinals, I oh. don't care if you've won 10 World Series titles, <laughs> five MVPs, and put Chicago on your back, you are now yep. a mortal enemy. And they booed him mercilessly. He doubled yesterday, and he's out at second base waving to the crowd to bring it on some more. Oh, come Is on. that right? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. so, I, so I immediately yeah. started booing the TV myself. <laughs> you, you booed the TV, oh, huh? Yeah. Well, you see, the thing is, I was thinking about the Cardinals. I bet they, if, if they don't do anything this year, they figure if they beat the Cubs, at least they feel like they're, maybe they're, they're they're on the way back, or at least they, they can celebrate something this year, right? That's if they no good, win the season series, maybe? Maybe, I guess. Cardinals and Cubs <laughs> t- tonight at 740, uh, they'll, they'll go again. The Cubs are a slight favorite in that game tonight uh, in Wrigley Field. But, you know, the Cubs are only one game under 500. The Cardinals are... 12 under five. Oh, I know. So I feel pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, worse than the Reds right now. You know, that's the thing about it. But, you know, you, you figure St. Louis, you figure they're going to do something about it because you figure, when it, like, after that 17-game winning streak, Mike Schultz didn't stay. I can't. I couldn't believe it when they, they fired They moved him. on. I could not I know, believe. I can't figure that out either. Now, that had to be, in my opinion, just some sort of rift between management and the, uh, the, head, the manager. Between the yeah. front office and the manager, had to be something going on there because he had a good record. They yeah. got to the playoffs, and all of a sudden, he's not good enough. Come on, I know something was I know. going on there. But they, I know the the St. Louis fans won't stand by like the Cincinnati fans. Cincinnati oh, fans it. 
are now immune. I talked with Rick Bozich on the air yesterday. They're sort of immune to the losing. St. Louis does not get immune to the losing. They to the, well, you see, first of all, don't they, don't lose, they don't lose very often. I'll, and secondly, when they do, they, they, they don't put up with it. And Reds fans do. Well, you see, the one thing I've noticed, too, about the Reds franchise right now is, like, I can hear certain games, like, say, St. Louis and Chicago, and I'm, and I'm pretty sure, and I'm not making this up, I'm pretty sure I'm hearing St. Louis and Chicago fans in the Cincinnati ballpark. Oh, every, you figure, yeah. like, the way Cubs fans are, yeah. you know, they take over. A ballpark. If you're not, if you're not, you know, selling your tickets, them Cubs fans will come. I don't know where them Cubs fans come from. There are Cubs fans. I've heard everywhere. Cubs fans over the years take over ballparks. There are Cubs fans everywhere. There are Braves fans oh, everywhere. It. There are Cardinal yep. fans everywhere, and there are Yankee fans everywhere. Now there are Yankee haters everywhere, but there, oh yeah, but there are Yankee <laughs> fans everywhere. And if you watch some a lot of these ball games, especially in the division where the the, the teams are kind of close geographically, you will yeah. you will notice Cardinal fans on the road, Cub fans on the yep. road, Braves fans on the road. They they show up and show out. It's kind of like Kentucky basketball when they're, yep. when they're playing an SEC game on the road at Ole Miss and they've got seventy yep. percent of the crowd. It's kind of the same way. And it kind of worries me about you know. Speaking of you know the Kentucky fans, you know the I'm, and I'm and I like what you know Coach you know Kenny Payne's doing, but if he's not if he doesn't take it more seriously, I would not want to see Kentucky fans out you know go big blue chance and at the Yum Center next season. I'd want to see the Cardinal fans really you know like they did on the celebration night show up and. Try to keep some of that gold big blue out of out of the young center well, when the cards yeah. play, right? And I think Kenny Payne is serious oh. about it. Don't think he's not serious about it. That's right. That would be a mistake. But again, they got I know it. They got to bounce back. This is not a one year process, and they got to. That's true. They got to get some people in there, get some guys in there that can win, and maybe get some new assistants. I don't know what the answer is, David. Yeah, if yeah. They, the they, they was. I wouldn't be doing uh, sports radio. Oh, I know it. I know it. Yeah. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate the call as always. All right, sir. Thanks, John. Glad I got to talk to you. That's always my pleasure when David calls. Boy, Ed and, Ed and Buzz are way behind in the Oh, yeah. Year. And I said earlier, it's May. It's not early in the year, is it? It's, it is not, yeah. We're in the middle of the year. Uh, by the way, no show tomorrow. Bats baseball. Uh, Bats in Columbus tonight. They're at home. So get out to uh, Slugger Field. And uh, see the bats play at, uh, against the Columbus Clippers tonight. Six oh five first pitch, five thirty five pregame with uh, Nick tonight, and eleven oh five first pitch tomorrow. Which means Scooter, I got to get you. Somebody's got to be here at ten thirty five. Is that you? I'll be here. Yeah. To uh, run the board, I've got all the day, all the day week, all the day weekday games for the bats. I produce them all. So uh, enjoy tomorrow while I'm, uh, you know, sleeping in until about noon. Man. By the way, Tony Burke was supposed to be in here today. Technical difficulties. And it's not Tony's fault. Yeah. Um, Par for so what are we going to do when my microphone doesn't work? Uh, hopefully we don't get to that point. Because hopefully th- it gets rectified before that. There's three. I'm going to do a little math for you here. There's three mm-hmm. microphones in here. Mm-hmm. 33% of them are working. And mine. Well, I'm talking about the room I'm in. Yeah. It's frustrating. That's all. Frustrating. Who are you telling? When I'm uh, commercial-free on Mondays, that's frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> no Wednesday shows until the 31st, uh, by the way. That's crazy. Because of Bats Baseball. Every week, 11.05. 11 
That's too early. That's too early to play. Baseball. Oh, Nick Curran will tell you the exact same thing. He hates doing the early games. See, if I was the announcer, though, I would like that because yeah, I, I would. I too. feel like yeah. I have a day off. Exactly. Right. You just gotta you're, wake you're up early. At, you're done at one thirty. Yeah. And now you're not on the air again the next night till five thirty. You get twenty. You got thirty hours off. Yeah. I'd love it too. Uh, by the way, we had a one hour and fifty five minute Major League Baseball game yesterday. What? Colorado lost to Pittsburgh two nothing. One hour. 55 minutes, Mitch Keller, complete game for the Pirates. What a dream. I talked about Vida Blue passing away yesterday, and I was given some stats. At 22, he won the Cy Young and the MVP. He was the youngest ever to win those awards, and he won them in the same year. He had 24 – I didn't mention this. He had 24 complete games one season. Jeez, one season? In one season. You're not, you're not going to see 24 complete games this year well, in, they, in Major League Baseball. They only get 33 starts. And and you only – nowadays you only get four and a half innings, or four and two-thirds innings. That's incredible. Um, all right, so we'll talk more about uh, Major League Baseball. We'll uh, wonder which manager is going to get fired. NBA after the break. You're listening to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage on The Big Guy. Anywhere y'all Welcome back. Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio. Eminem Cartage hotline open, 502-384-1450. If you'd like to add to the conversation or subtract from it, either one, 454-1450. Thornton's text line is open as well. I'm sorry, 384-1450 for the call-in. Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Texter says some words are fire-worthy, just the way it is. Bob Huggins said one of those words. Another texter says West Virginia brought in a bunch of high-rated transfers. If he gets fired, are they all heading out? If he didn't have this current roster, he would have already been fired. There are certain situations where the roster doesn't matter. Your past performance doesn't matter. If Coach K, who had how many titles, Scooter? Five, six? He had that many? I don't know. Five, probably. Four or five. If Coach K had said this, and he had a a roster of freshman All-Americans, how many? Five? Then he should get fired. It's that simple. West Virginia dragging their feet on this is embarrassing. It's embarrassing to the university. All right. Uh, baseball yesterday. Pittsburgh beat Colorado 2-0. Mitch Keller complete game. I talked about that. An hour and 55 minutes. That's unbelievable. That's what the pitch clock has done. And I love it. I love it. I'll turn on my MLB extra innings. I'll have anywhere from four to eight games on the TV at the same time. And, man, they are free-flowing. We don't have catchers walking out to visit. We don't have batters adjusting everything from their cup to their wristbands to their helmet between every pitch. We don't have pitchers walking around the mound, grabbing the rosin bag, throwing it down, calling an infielder in. You know, I'm I'm just glad that batters realized that they don't have to do the whole glove thing because that was the one of the more annoying things is them stepping out and readjusting their gloves literally after every pitch. Aaron Judge 
caught me when he said, I think it's great because if I get a pitch that I think I should hit out of the park or, or hit, rip to right center and I foul it off, last year I got out of the box, I thought about it, mm-hmm. I, I, I pondered, you know, why did I miss it? I got back in the box, I was still thinking about that pitch. I don't have time to do that anymore. All I have time to do is hit my cleats with my bat, step in, look at the pitcher, and say, okay, what am I getting now? I cannot continue to think about what happened on the last pitch, and that's a good thing. And I think, look, these guys have adjusted. Pitchers and batters have adjusted a lot quicker and a lot smoother than anybody thought they would. The fact that you can only throw over to first or disengage from the mound, I guess technically is what it's called, twice the third time is a balk unless you pick the guy off has made these games fly by. I've watched games where pitchers threw the first 10 times in an at-bat. Yeah. And with no chance to pick off a runner. Yep. If you're throwing to first now, you're trying to pick this dude off. Now, there does, are no courtesy throws. If the catcher were to throw down after a pitch, does that play they can still in do at it. all? No. Okay. So that can, is still okay. So can a catcher do that after every pitch he if can. he wanted? Okay. He can. Got it. But catchers are going to have a lot better chance of throwing it down the right field line yeah. than pitchers are going to have. Do you think that'll get limited at some point? No. That's fine. Okay. Because they don't do it enough where yeah. it's, it's slowing the game down. Sure. Um, the stolen base is a major factor. Pittsburgh took advantage of it early. Now the Pirates, who were twenty and eight, are now twenty one and fifteen. So they've cooled off. We thought they would cool off. They still have one of the smaller payrolls in the game, and that does matter. They're still in first place though by half a game over the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, but they took advantage of stolen bases. The Tampa Bay Rays, who lead the league in home runs and fewest home runs allowed, also are one of the top teams in stealing bases. They figured it out. There's a reason the Rays are 29-7. and seven. Think about that. 29-7. and seven. And they're still not favored to win the World Series. They're still not favored to win the American League. A fourth-place team is still favored to win the American League. Houston Astros are fourth in the National League West, still favored to win the American League. That blows my mind. I like Toronto to win the World Series at 13-1 to if we're just strictly talking odds. By the way, I ran into uh, Steve Bittenbender, who works for BetKentucky.com mm-hmm. uh, at the track this week. We're going to start having Steve on the show because you know I like to gamble. I don't know if I've made that clear enough on this show. I like to put a little I like to take a little green, head over to this side of the river, and give it away. I should just give it to homeless people or donate it to a charity. I don't know why I continue to come over here and just give it away. But I do. You can do it in your own state in and time. Uh, and and Steve told me something very interesting. He believes that close to the beginning of or right after the beginning of the NFL season you will be able to gamble on sports in Kentucky, which I thought it was going to take a lot longer. They said initially six months. It, it's Well, they got to wait till I think it's June 30th, 90 days after the end of the General Assembly for the law to, laws to actually go into effect. Then these places have to put in for permits and things like that. And he also believes the first places that will get 
a sports book for sports gaming are in northern Kentucky, Turfway Park and uh, somewhere in Newport, right across the river from Cincinnati. Um, there are political reasons for that, but eventually Derby City Gaming, the, the one on Papa Level Road in Louisville and the one uh, they're building right now on Market Street, they're going to have sports books. Churchill Downs will have a sports book. Um, and maybe another satellite pops up somewhere, and in, uh, in maybe in the south end they, they get a Derby City Gaming or, or just a pop-up sports sports betting parlor like they have over here in uh, Clarksville. By the way, going back to the steals in baseball this year, yeah. got some stats for go, you. Go, go. So, it's got to be incredible. Oh, it is. So last year the Rangers led the league in stolen bases per game at .79. So not even one stolen base per game. So 79 steals in 100 games. Basically, yeah. yeah. So there are nine teams this year right now that are over that number. Pirates are at 1.33, nearly double what the Rangers finished last season at in stolen bases yeah, per game. Think about that. That is incredible. Part of it is the pitchers are thrown over to first less. A small part of it is the bases are bigger. So you've got three inches, you're three inches closer to second base at first, and you're three more inches closer at second. So you're six inches closer to second base. If you watch baseball at all over the years, stolen bases, second base are bang bang plays. Mm-hmm. That six inches makes a difference. Oh yeah. And you know what they're doing unbelievably this year is stealing third. Steals of third have got to be up a thousand percent. A thousand percent. Um, so there's yeah. fo- there are four teams in the league right now averaging over one stolen base yeah. a game, and the Cubs are at .97. So they're right there. Uh, what are the Rays? The Rays are at .92. Yeah. The Rays have taken advantage. Who's the lowest on the list? Uh, Do you have that? Yeah. You want to guess? Uh, White Sox. No. Uh, athletics. Uh, athletics actually second. Well, see, they, they're, they've got eight. They're eight and 28. They've got the worst roster maybe in the history of the game. They got to try to steal base. Right. When they when the few times that they do get on base. It is a bad team, I'll tell you that. Uh, out west. Bad team out west. Uh you're going to make it too easy for me. Colorado Rockies. It is Colorado. <laughs> Point You made it too easy. Point .25. So they're getting a stolen base every 4 games. Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> this the way the rules are now. Can't do it. And I love the pitch clock. But last year they were only at point two eight, so there, maybe there's a team that doesn't run a whole lot. And there are, you know, umpires get yelled at all the time. They have no control over this. There is a buzzer that goes off if the pitcher hasn't started his delivery at point at zero seconds. The the, the umpire's not looking at the pitch clock out in center field or the one over on each side of the uh, uh, right by the uh, batters uh, on deck circles. He's not looking at those. He's got, there's a buzzer on him. If the buzzer goes off, that's a violation, period. He watches the batter to make sure the batter is in the box facing the pitcher with eight seconds to go on the clock. And then he watches the pitch. He watches the pitcher, but he does he does not call a pitch clock violation on a pitcher unless that buzzer goes off on his belt. So, look, we're five years, maybe less, away from having robot umpires anyway. You're going to have a guy standing behind home plate. They're going to throw the pitch. And he's going to get a buzz if it's a strike. Seems like the ABS and AAA has been working pretty it good. It does work. It does. It, I mean, there are things in baseball that blow my mind. 
I can't. And I heard heard this on a broadcast yesterday. There was a, there was a play down the uh, a line drive down the right field line, and it it hit. Maybe it hit the chalk. Maybe it didn't. It was that close. And and they called it foul. The uh, the team challenged. They stood with the call because you really it was so close. It was a blade of grass close. And the announcer said, "I still don't understand why we don't have a camera on the foul pole." Right down the line. Yeah, very true. Tennis does it. Tennis has it. It beeps if it's if it's out. It's simple. Why don't we have that? Well, in ten, I, I would. I'm but we're going to have robot umpires at home play. I'm a big proponent of every sport having replay like tennis does. I mean, it is so quick the way they just yeah. show the ball, the shadow hitting that line or not hitting the line. It's it, it. There is a way to expedite the replay process, and that's that's something I'm hopeful for in the next five, ten years. Is that all gets sped up? Here's another thing. Umpires are nerds for the most part. Okay? So we give them microphones, but we don't. they don't have to explain anything. Yeah. I mean, they say after review, the call is overturned, the runner is safe. But they don't have to explain anything that we don't understand. Well, why did you make – they don't have to explain it because they're all nerds. They don't want to talk in public. I get it. I know a lot of umpires. They're all great guys. They're all nerds. Well, and doesn't they're, that they're, – they're, not outgoing people, and Does, they don't want to talk. Doesn't that directly correlate with getting, like, the Dean Blandinos on broadcast to explain the referee side of it? Sure. Wouldn't that be where that comes from because you don't hear it from the on-field umps or refs? Yeah, but TV networks, Bally Sports, they don't want to pay for a guy to maybe once a week have to explain yeah. a call. They don't want to pay for that. I get it. All right, yesterday Detroit beat Cleveland 6-2. Detroit is quietly, uh, very quietly if you're if you're a baseball fan, Playing pretty good baseball. They're in, they're sixteen and eighteen. They are uh, two and a half games behind the Twins for first place in the American League Central. Um, Miguel Cabrera still play, still plays yeah, there, right? And I they had the first game last night. They played at six ten against Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So I'm watching, and he's 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 got to hang it up. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's no not, good. Uh, he's one of the I mean Hall of Famer. He's one of the greatest players in the history of the game. But this year, he's hitting 200 with no homers and four RBIs. So, you know, I respect. It's like Albert Pujols. I respect the fact that the that he was hanging on there, but come on. Tampa Bay shut out Baltimore 3-0 last night for their 27th win. The Yankees over Oakland 7-2. That's the most run the Yankees, I think, have scored all year. They are struggling offensively. The uh, remedy is to play the Oakland A's. Oakland's the only team in the league now with – Fewer than ten wins, they've got eight. Uh, Milwaukee beat the Dodgers nine to three. Uh, Kansas City over the White Sox twelve five. The White Sox stink. Um, St. Louis over the Cubs three to one. Angels beat Houston. Angels scary good. Twenty and sixteen. Look out, Trout, Otani. Get some decent pitching in there. They're okay. Texas beat Seattle two one. The Rangers still lead the American League West at twenty one and thirteen. Arizona over Miami, 5-2. Washington scored five in the first last night. I had the over here, Scoots. Washington scored five in the first and won 5-1 over San Francisco. So, no over. Let's go to the Eminem Cartage Hotline. Before we take a break, bring in my man Ed. How you doing, brother? Well, I come to you today with some sad news. Former Louisville uh, head basketball coach uh, Denny Crum oh, has passed away. Hmm. That was uh, confirmed by the University of Louisville Sports Information Department and Kenny Klein. Of course, Coach Crum had been in some uh, 
ill health for uh, several months now, uh, but it is official that he has passed away. Of course, he led uh, the University of Louisville for right about, I think, 30 or 31 years, won two NCAA championships with the numerous Final Fours uh, before uh, Rick Pitino came in and took over. Uh, when uh, the athletic department changed athletic directors to Tom Jurich, who uh, they came to an agreement to uh, that Coach Crumb would be an ambassador for the university, and uh, he would uh, work for the university in a in a just that uh, a position rather than be head basketball coach. And then Coach Patino came in. Of course, uh, Coach Crumb had uh, the uh, like I said the two national championships. He took his uh, very first. University of Louisville team to the uh, Final Four in 1972, again in 75, losing to UCLA and his mentor, uh, John Wooden. Won it in 1980, led by the great Daryl Griffith, the Louisville native. 82 and 83 were also Final Four appearances. Uh, unfortunately, 83 was the uh, last Final Four for Coach Crumb, and uh, he had a, won well over 600 games uh, with the University of Louisville. And uh, he has passed away. Like I said, he had been in ill health. Uh, his wife, Susan, was uh, taking care of him. Hospice had been called in a couple of months ago. And it's uh, it's going to be a very, very difficult yeah. uh, time uh, with Coach Crum knowing that he is no longer with us. Uh, uh, he was a great ambassador for uh, not only the university, uh, but the city and such a class person and a class man had... Uh, a lot of All Americans that uh, that played for him, starting with Jim Price all the way through uh, uh, Billy Thompson and Derek Smith, just to name a few. Uh, I mean, just a, a, a cornucopia. Junior Bridgman, uh, you know, Rodney McRae, uh, Lancaster Gordon. Uh, I mean, I could go all the way down the line. And in, in Purvis Ellison, uh, guys that he, and of course, obviously Daryl Griffith. Uh, sent to uh, the pros, and uh, uh, Coach Coach Crum is in the uh, Basketball Hall of Fame, and we are all saddened by his passing today uh, as part of uh, the University of Louisville basketball program. Ed, it's not an overstatement to say he was Louisville basketball. It's not an overstatement to say he made Louisville basketball, right? Well, uh, Peck Hickman and John Jerome got it to a level. Uh, They did win the uh, uh, NIT one year in the 50s, uh, and then uh, Coach uh, Dromo became ill, uh, and then uh, they brought in Coach Crum. And not only that first team he had was very good. It only lost five games. Of course, it did lose to UCLA yeah. in the NCAA Finals in 1972. But, yes, he took it to the next level. He brought it, uh, he got it, at, and took it to the peak. And uh, winning two national championships is something this uh, uh, university hasn't seen since he was there. Is it fair to say, Ed, that there were a number of times, especially early in his career, where he could have left and gone elsewhere and uh, and made those places great, but he chose to stay in Louisville? Uh, uh, you know, he was a UCLA. He wasn't a Louisville guy, but he became a Louisville guy, right? Right. Well, let me tell you two things about that. I, uh, Absolutely. I, covered him quite. I was, I was uh, uh, fortunate enough to uh, – entered school there in 75 and had interviewed him in 72 and he said you know i can walk down the streets of los angeles with coach uh, coach wooden and nobody recognizes they don't know who we are they care about the dodgers and, and the, at that time the rams the lakers and everything but ucla 
He says, I walk down the streets as little. I can't get from one block to another without a, <laughs> a, a, a bunch of people stopping me. And that's just the way it was in the 70s, the 80s. And he is probably uh, the most loved coach to ever coach at Louisville. Now, there's going to be some – I know another one that's coming up. If he wins, he's going to be a good one too. But Coach Crum, definitely the face of uh, uh, the university and uh, just uh, – just all kinds of accolades. He had he had great assistant coaches, Wade Houston, that, that stayed with him. These these guys didn't didn't su- uh, 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 go for other jobs. They stayed with Coach Crum, uh, Jerry Jones, uh, like I said, Wade Houston, and others. I mean, it was uh, uh, and, and he all he uh, I don't want to say he invented the the full court press. But his full-court press, I can remember when they played Kentucky in the 83 NCAA Championships uh, uh, East Regional Final in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. I think four times in a row, Kentucky couldn't inbound the ball. And that was a big deal because Kentucky and Louisville in those days didn't play each other. And, uh, uh, of course, Louisville went on to to lose to the great Houston team who lost to NC State. A lot of people say they wore them out before the championship game, but that was, to me, and this is just my opinion, the 83 team, 1983 was his best team. Man, did have some players on it. Yeah, that Houston game, uh, I remember people thought it was for the national championship. Nobody gave the, the uh, NC State a, a chance in the cha- in the finals, but uh, obviously upsets happen. We see it all the time. Uh, 86 years old, Coach Crumb passed away uh, at his home this morning with Susan by his side, I'm sure. Um, gosh, where do you start it? Where do you start with this guy? There are just so many things to say. And, and, uh, I mean, we could go hours and hours, um, about a legacy and all that, but I'm, I saw him when I was working at the post office, he had just stepped down, uh, as Louisville basketball coach. And he came in the post office to pick up a package for his wife. And he looked at me and he recognized me and he said, hi. And I said, coach. Uh, is this what retirement is? You going to uh, do things? You know, you're you're running errands for for Susan now. He goes, that's what it is. I love it. <laughs> he goes, I wouldn't have it any other way. And and along with him, Daryl Griffith. Those are the two names to me that made Louisville basketball what it is. Absolutely. Uh, I was privileged enough to cover Daryl Griffith at Mail. Uh, he uh, got his team to two state championships. Uh, they won his junior year. Unfortunately, they were upset by Ballard in his senior year, and he you know, was on that team with Jerry Eves, who went on to team with Griffith in the NCAA tournament against uh, UCLA in 1980. I mean, you're right. You could go back. Uh, like I said, a lot of people don't remember that first Louisville team that Crum had was was uh, was Jim Price, and uh, uh, you know had some really really good players on it. And then they come. A couple of years later, and they're not projected. Junior Bridgman, he went out and recruited Junior. Br- he he went to look at Pete Turkovich at uh, when he was at UCLA, and he saw Junior Bridgman, and he told Coach Wood, "Well, this is really the guy we, we want. Turkovich is good, but if we right. could get Junior Bridgman, uh, that would be a great course." They did get Junior Bridgman. They got Pete Turkovich, and then Turkovich and and, and Bridgman ended up uh, against each other, uh, playing against each other in the semifinals of the 1975 NCAA tournament, which was a great game. Uh, Richard Washington, I can see it now, uh, hitting that turnaround jumper that just uh, 
Well, to be honest with you, back in, when I was in school, that crushed me. That was a tough, tough pill to swallow after leading the whole game. And, and Kurt Gowdy once said that's the greatest game, basketball game, he ever reported on. And that's, that's for a gentleman like that to uh, have a statement uh, of that magnitude at that time is quite a compliment. The now, there have been others since. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kentucky, Duke, and, and there, there's a lot of them. But to that point, that game ranked up there pretty high. The uh, Joe B. and Denny show is on in heaven right now, right? Right, right, exactly. They, you know, they were such competitors, uh, but they were such friends. Well, you know, it, it was it was always funny how uh, uh, they kind of got, and they would they would you know bounce back and forth off each other. But but Denny would say, uh, "Joe, give me a call when you get off the air, or, or this or that." And seriously, they would go fishing. Joe loved to fish. Denny loved to fish. They loved to hunt. Uh, uh, Denny was, was was quite the outdoorsman. He had a he had a home uh, in Montana that he used to take Susan with, and they would go up there and and go hunting and fishing. He he was quite the fisherman. He could have yeah. been a professional fisherman had he wanted to be. And of course, uh, Denny could have done a lot of things. Denny was very very what I thought was very intelligent. Well, and of course. Uh, we all know River Al McGuire called him Cool Hand Luke. Cool I Hand never, Luke, yeah. I never saw him. I never saw him lose his cool. Always uh, had the program wrapped up, rolled up in his in his uh, hand, and uh, and he was the guy. Ed, every time out of a timeout, he had a great play call. Every time. Well, you know, you, you can tell a great coach by if what their team does coming out of a timeout, whether they practice it a lot or not. He'll draw it up, and if they run, I remember a game against St. Louis at uh, Freedom Hall. Alvin Sims was on the team. This is the, the team that uh, got to the final eight and lost to North Carolina. Well, he draw, the game was tied. There was, oh, I don't know, five, six seconds or so. And he put Alvin Sims, who was an under undersized. He was always good at getting undersized forwards. Bill Butler on that 1973 team was only about a six-one or six-foot-two forward. But they were thick. But he, he drew, yeah, right, right. Well, Rodney McCray was yeah, thick. Absolutely. He was a big guy. He was thick. And uh, he drew up a play, and uh, Sims broke from the right uh, corner, and I forget who threw the pass. He threw a pass, and he, he, he dunked it. And Louisville won by two, and the horn went off. I mean, it was uh, uh, maestro at work, I guess. That's, you that's say. eight possessions a game. If you score on those eight possessions, that's 16 points. I mean, you're going to win yep. a lot of games with an extra 16 points. I can tell you that. Uh, oh, sad I, I, day, Ed. Absolutely. Ed, thank you for well, calling. I appreciate the info. Um, it's all over Twitter now, but uh, that's the first time I had heard it, it. So I want to thank you for calling and giving me that uh, very sad it, news. It is it, it, it is truly a sad day for the uh, not only the city, University of Louisville, the city of Louisville, and also the Commonwealth of Kentucky because we have lost a great one. Thank you, buddy. I'll talk to mm-hmm. you soon. Denny Crum passes away today at the age of, ironically, 86. He won the title in 80 and 86. Um, wow. Just sad news. Uh, you got to process it. Look, he's been sick for a long time. Been sick for a long time. You know, you can say this all, all you want. We knew this was coming. You can say that. We knew he'd been in bad health. But when it happens, it just hits you differently. And uh, not a, not just a great coach. He was a leader in the community, great person, caring person, 
And uh, I never saw him be mean to anybody, whether it was a post-game press conference, um, a preseason press conference, just talking on the court before the game, just saying hi. Never saw him um, shun anyone or not want to talk to anybody. <sighs> Lost a great one today. We'll take a break, come back, talk a little bit of NBA. But uh, the news of the day, of course, Denny Crumb passing away at the age of 86. You're listening to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. Welcome back. Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in the studio. Final segment of the day. Thornton's text line is open. You can get your uh, last-minute text into the show at uh, 502-414-1450. We went a little bit late there on the uh, in the last segment. Ed called to uh, inform us that uh, the great Hall of Fame coach, Denny Crum, passed away this morning at his home. He was 86 years old. Texter says, in the last five minutes of a game, no one was better than Denny Crum. He's right. And that's, you know, when you I, – I remember a lot about Denny Crum, especially what kind of a person he was. But when you're talking just basketball, every time Louisville had the ball out of a timeout, I knew they were going to score. And I promise you, if you look it up, if you are, if you could look it up, and I don't – you probably can't, 90% of the time they scored uh, if they had the ball out of a timeout. It was incredible. Uh, 30 years as the head coach at the University of Louisville, 675 wins, two national titles, 1980, the Daryl Griffith team, 1986, the freshman Purvis Ellison led them to the win over Duke in the national championship game. Uh, Denny Crum passes away at the age of 86. We'll have more on this later today, 3 o'clock, Mike Rutherford show, he and Trevor Kelsey I'm sure, Scooter, it'll be all Denny all day today. Oh, yeah. They'll they'll talk a lot of Denny, Denny memories, I can only imagine. Trevor's got a lot of those. Oh, yeah. Well, hopefully well, he remembers Well, if his brain cells some, are yeah, still exactly. intact. Uh, so be sure and tune in uh, for, I'm going to guess, a special edition of the Mike Rutherford Show. I could go on two more hours here, uh, take calls and, and talk about Denny Crumb and some of the games over the years. I remember the uh, – as as ugly as this was, the Arkansas game where they hit the uh, three-point shot in the tournament, not a three-point shot, a half-court buzzer beater uh, to beat Louisville, knock them out of the tournament one year. Oh, A.J., God, what was his name? Texter, help me, 414-1450. U.S. Reed, U.S. Reed, that's what it was. A.J., I don't know where I came up with it. His A. name was U.S.? His name was U.S. Reed. That's well, awesome. Was, I, I'm sure it's Stood for something, but yeah. he was U.S. Reed. That's a great name. Hit a half-court shot, literally, from the logo. Uh, you know, running and throwing it up for uh, – threw up a prayer, and it went in. I didn't get to the NBA today. The Lakers beat Golden State 104-101 last night. They have a 3-1 lead now. It was the Lonnie Walker IV game. Oh, that's the fourth. Lonnie Walker, the fourth, 15 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, for the Lakers, those were his only points of the game. Steph Curry was unbelievable again. 31 points, 10 rebounds, 14 assists. Game that was five, such a bad joke. Wednesday on TNT. <laughs> it's Lonnie Walker IV. I'm reading it. <laughs> Golden State is six and a half in game five, um, which is a, obviously down 3-1. They must win. Miami beat the Knicks 109-101. I told you yesterday the Knicks were done. 
They're closer to done now, down 3-1 to Miami. Two games tonight. Give me Philly plus the 7.5 at Boston. I don't think they win. I think they cover. Give me Phoenix plus the 5.5 at Denver. I'm taking the point. Thanks for listening. We'll be back Thursday. Bats baseball tomorrow. Beers on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big End. I heard it.